What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. The 40 Years of Wilderness Wandering When you think about it, it all seems sad. You just think of grumbling and complaining and failure after failure by the Jewish people to obey and follow God. So why do I want to do the story of the 40 years of wilderness wanderings, you may ask? Well, in the middle of all that disobedience and failure, there are also some amazing stories of encounters with spiritual forces that'll blow your mind, and then acts of Yahweh on behalf of his people and Moses to show what a gracious, mind-blowing God that he is. But it does begin sadly. We're going to begin this series on the 40 years of wilderness wandering by the Jewish people led by Moses, but we're going to pick up the story of Israel's wilderness wandering right after the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Now that is a spiritual and emotional high, right? That was an amazing event and one that will be repeated throughout Israeli history for years to come. Miriam, Moses' sister, wrote a song of praise to the Lord, rejoicing over this miraculous event. It's found there in Exodus 15. This was an exciting and emotional high. What a great moment. They crossed the Red Sea. They defeated Pharaoh. They saw their enemies wash before them, and they had triumphed over their foe. You know, what a high. What a wonderful place to be. But then... Right away comes the low. Right away, sin rears its ugly head. Seems that sin is never far away. So remember, the people of Israel have just left Egypt. And they walked through the Red Sea on dry ground and saw this miraculous event, how God parted this massive amount of water and got two million plus people across. And now they're ready to follow Moses wherever he leads. He's going to lead them to the promised land. Yes. 
Well, they're ready to follow Moses wherever he leads, but they're also going to voice their opinions and their complaints on a whole host of issues along the way. Hey, Moses, can we stop a second? My feet hurt. Hey, Moses, can can we take a potty break at the next rest stop? Hey, hey, Moses, it's so hot. I want it to be cooler. Hey, Moses, hey, Moses. These people had just seen the miraculous provision of God. They had just seen God appear to them in a pillar of fire, which they follow by night. And he's also in the cloud that they follow by day. And he gives them a nice cool cloud over them to take the sun away and some of the heat off of them by day. Then they follow this miraculous fire with the angel of the Lord in the middle of it. That is amazing. They see God in this way every day. They had also just seen in their recent memory, God part a large sea so that they could cross on dry land. Again, that is amazing. So why did they doubt God continually? Why were they always complaining and afraid? Again, Moses had just led the people out of Egypt. They saw wonder after wonder in the ten great plagues that culminated in the Passover and the angel of death killing all the firstborn. But if they put blood on their mantle, blood from an innocent lamb, if they obeyed God and sacrificed the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost, on the mantle there, everything would be fine. The, the eldest would not die. The sacrificial lamb paid the price of the guilt and sin and punishment that they deserved. What a miracle and what a foreshadowing of the gospel in and of itself. It's a wonderful moment. And also to see the angel of the Lord in that fiery cloud. And to see the mighty hand of God in parting the Red Sea. All of these miracles should have made the people trust in their God, Yahweh. Do not worry. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. But instead of learning the way of faith, they began to learn the way of the wine. Moses, where is the water? Moses, it's too hot. Moses, my kids are ugly. I mean, it was getting ridiculous what they were blaming Moses and Yahweh for. Anyway, as I said, Miriam, again, wrote a song of praise, a wonderful poem that just praises God for all he had done. And then came the whining. I'll admit the desert is a hot and dry place. I mean, it sucks the water out of you on a regular basis. And so when you walk in the Sinai Desert, you need to make sure you can find water. So that is why there are plenty of wells and and there are oases, if that's plural for oasis. There are oases, places around where you can drink some water and your cattle can drink some water and the camel you're riding on can drink some water and you can rest your weary feet and enjoy the water. It was the ancient version of a rest stop, just without the interstate map showing where you were on the highway and how much longer and where some of your trip will be. But anyway, at these oases, God would lead them and there they would camp. Well, Moses led the people from the Red Sea 
to the place where they would receive the law on Mount Sinai, right? It would take them 44 days to go from crossing the Red Sea to receiving the law. And between leaving the Red Sea and arriving at Mount Sinai, the book of Numbers said they had 10 stages or stops. So at the first station, they stopped in a place called the wilderness or the desert of Shur. Remember, they're heading towards Mount Sinai. They don't know it, but that's where they're heading, led by Moses. Well, their first stop is the wilderness of Shur. They spent three days there. But sadly, they couldn't find any water. It's hot and dry. and So one of the things you need is water. And going three days without water is tough on anyone. And I think it began to make the people doubt God. Now remember, they came from the high of crossing the Red Sea and they can still see God in the pillar of fire at night and they can remember God in the pillar of cloud during the day. God's presence is continually with them. That should have led them instead towards a desire to obey and to follow and trust. But instead, I think they began to doubt from the wilderness of Shur, they then moved on to Mara. And this is where the disguised grumbling, or what I call the latent grumbling that they felt inside themselves, became evident or manifest. This is where they began to voice their complaints. They openly whined. This water is bitter. Yeah, it had water. Great. But they're complaining, this water is bitter. <laughs> sure, there's a well here and all, but the water is atrocious. It tastes all salty and bitter like seltzer water. Really, you ever had straight seltzer water? It is salty and ugh, I don't get it. I only like the flavored stuff. But anyway, they didn't like the water. It was nasty. The people hated the water. Now remember, the place is called Mara, which means bitterness. And that is what the water tasted like. So the people complained and began to whine and began to grumble. They doubted God and by extension, then they began to doubt Moses. They doubted that both of them had any ability to take care of them. So here we have people grumbling, rah, rah, whining in a large group to Moses. A lot of unhappy people. So what will Moses do? This is where God takes care of Moses and the people. God shows Moses a tree, and Moses takes the tree and throws it into the water. And the water becomes sweet and drinkable. Now, it's not that that tree had some natural property that made water sweet. Though people have tried to find something similar, they can't find it. I don't think there's any tree like that. Instead, I think God used the tree miraculously to provide for his people. And then, as they're dealing with the situation, God then reveals to Moses a glimpse of the will that he had for this upcoming stay in the desert. This upcoming walk and wandering through the desert. His will in all of this is that the people of Israel will learn to obey his commands. God says if they'll simply learn to obey, 
I promised that I will provide for their every need. That's what God tells Moses. But here right away, the people are not obeying because grumbling is not a way to obey God's commands. No, instead, he wants his people to trust him. But don't we do the same thing? You know, I feel like many of us are like the people of Israel here. We've had God work wonders in our life, but the minute we hit something difficult, the minute we hit something hard, we blame God and we grumble and whine and complain. See, the Lord wants you to tell him your problems and concerns. He wants you to share your frustrations and anger. That, when you do that, in biblical terms, it's called lamenting. Big word, lamenting. You know, we have a whole book called Lamentations where the writer lamented. And in lamenting, you tell God how horrible it is down here, how bad life is in this terrible world full of bad things and evil people. Sharing with God your struggles and your fears, that's lamentations, right? That's lamenting. What the people of Israel did instead is they grumbled. Or as writer John Bloom calls it, faithless complaining. With grumbling or faithless complaining, you doubt God's goodness and his truthfulness and you blame God for all your problems and how life isn't fair and how this particular problem shows that God isn't fair and I don't even know if you're in control. You you don't like me, God. And that is what the people of Israel were doing. They were faithlessly complaining to God. They were grumbling. But see, God was testing his people. He was testing them to reveal their hearts. And what he found in this first test at Mara there, what he found was a people with a hard, disobedient heart. Things didn't look good for the people of Israel. And indeed, things got worse. Because at their next stop, the people revealed their true heart. And it was ugly. See, at the next stop, at the next stage where they camped, the next station, the people had enough to drink. But at this stop, in the middle of the wilderness of sin, or the desert of sin, I think it's an interesting name, you know. At this next stop in the wilderness of sin... The people not only got thirsty, they got hungry. They were running out of food, I think, or at least that's how they felt. And here is where they failed the test and the faithless complaining reared its ugly head again. People came to Moses and to God and they said, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. Exodus 16, verse 3. Man, how quickly they forget. But to them, this isn't fair. We were better in Egypt. Is this gluten-free? I'm lactose intolerant. They're complaining and grumbling. The people were hungry. And they also had hearts who lacked faith. And they had hearts that were open to disobeying the commands of God. 
And one of the commands of God was to trust the Lord, to trust Yahweh, to worship him as God alone. Instead, these people are worshiping their stomachs. Or they're worshiping their sense of being God. Hey, I know better than God. We shouldn't be here. I know what we should have done. They're, they're acting like they're God. The people did not trust the Lord. They broke command after command. The very thing God is trying to test them. Will you obey me? Ultimately, will you trust me? So when the people complained, Moses smartly went to God and asked for help. What was he to do? How did Yahweh want him to handle this problem? To his question, God answered with a miracle. God said, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are going to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. Exodus 16, verses 4 through 5. I mean, what it says is, I am going to rain bread. God was going to rain bread. Think about that. Rain bread. Talk about cloudy with a chance of meatballs. No, this was cloudy with a chance of... Bread! But the bread God was going to give his people wasn't just the average bread you think about today. You know, the sky was not going to all of a sudden start raining loaves of bread. One day wheat, the other white, you know, the other day pumpernickel, the final day rye. No, 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 not that sort of bread. The bread that God gave his people was something completely different. The people were to collect this bread that God provided every day. And the neat thing is about this bread that the people could collect as much as they wanted. If they wanted a little that day, only collect a little. But if they wanted a lot, then they could collect a whole bunch, up to two quarts a day. But the key was that the people should only collect what they needed because God did not allow this bread to be stored. You cannot collect some on Monday and then collect enough so that you could store some to be used the next day on Tuesday. No, God specifically wanted his people to only collect enough bread for that day. That was his command. Moses said to the people in Exodus 16, 19, no one is to let any of it, any of this bread, to remain until the morning. Well, the majority of the people did that. They collected about, again, two quarts of bread per person. The bread showed up with the morning dew. When the dew disappeared, the Bible says the people would see thin flakes. When the layer of dew evaporated, there were fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the ground. Exodus 16, verse 14. They would then go to these fine flakes, this fine frost on the ground, and they would pick it up. Well, to collect that fine frost. They needed to collect it in the early morning because by the time the sun rose and the heat of the day arrived, the bread would melt away. The majority of people did as the Lord commanded. They collected enough for themselves and their families and their needs for the day. If they collected more than roughly two quarts, they would then share with their neighbor or maybe somebody couldn't come out and collect because they were sick or anyone who needed more. And so people shared and they got as much bread as they needed. But sadly, as in everything, there are people who do not obey 
And there were some people who collected more than they needed. There were those who disobeyed the command of the Lord and collected enough to maybe last them two or three days. Well, they snuck in some extra there. I'm going to make this last from Monday all the way to Wednesday. But that was sin. And God didn't allow these people to get away with it. And instead, God caused this extra bread to breed worms and stink. So I can imagine, you know, they get up the next day thinking, oh, I'm full of bread. I don't need to go collect any today because I collected enough for yesterday, so I'm good to go. And they go over to look at their bread and, whoa, what is that stench? And they open the lid and, oh, there's maggots and worms in the bread. And, oh, no, we got to collect it. But it's too late. We slept in. Oh, this is bad. They didn't obey. You have to obey. Now, it's interesting. They had to collect this bread every day. And the Bible says they collected that bread every day for the next 40 years. Now, what is this bread called? I would have called it falling out of the sky bread or angelic bread or air bread or... I don't know what I would have called it, but the people in the Bible called the bread. What is it? What is it? Or, or if you know your Bible, you might have heard this word. It's called manna. The word manna basically means what is it? When they first saw this fine flake on the ground, their immediate reaction was to ask, manna, manna, manna. It means the Hebrew word for what is it? Roughly translated, the word manna means, what is it? It was such a different substance that they had never seen before. You know, they had to ask, what is this? What is it? And I can imagine someone sniffing it and rubbing it between their hands and trying to work out, manna, what is it? Well, God provided bread in this way. And as I said earlier, God provided bread in this way for the next 40 years. So for 40 years, they got up early, collected some manna, and then fed their families with it throughout the day. On Friday, they collected four quarts, doubles, because they weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath, which was Saturday, right? Working on the Sabbath was not allowed. This extra manna, guess what? God did not cause to stink and to breed worms. But instead, God kept it fresh for his people so that they would have some for Saturday and Sunday since they were not allowed to collect on the Sabbath. But sadly, again, some of the people did not trust God and went out and tried to collect manna on the Sabbath. This was not allowed. And it was useless anyway because God did not allow the bread to fall on the Sabbath. Again, this revealed the true heart of many of the Israelites, a heart that had no faith in Yahweh, a heart that had no desire to obey. Well, when the people came originally to complain to, to Moses, they also complained that they had no meat. They wanted meat. And here again, God provided but instead of supplying meat in this way for the next 40 years, instead God met their need in this way one time. 
one time, God allowed quail to crash land all over where they were at that day. Quail coming across, quail coming in, all of a sudden, boom, 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 falling out of the sky is this quail. Here comes a quail flapping its wing, boom, hits a tree, clunk. Oh, there's a quail. Quail come along, boom, hits in the head, hits in the tent. Whoa, there's all this quail, all this mead quail in the evening. It just fell and they got food, they got meat. God provided them miraculously meat for that one day. And then he provided them manna in the morning. Now it's interesting, the Bible says that manna, it tasted like, the Bible says it tasted like honey wafers. It also had the taste of of something made with olive oil. So again, this manna, think about it, tasted like honey. And also it tasted a little bit like olive oil. See to me? Sounds like donuts. See, God was providing for his people, in my book, donuts falling out of the sky every day. They got to eat awesome tasting Dunkin' or Krispy Kreme donuts every day. At least something like it. You know, the manna version of it. Well, at least that's what I would be making out of my manna. You know, I'd take those flakes and mush them into a dough ball and put them in some oil and voila, donuts. Well, the people moved on from there to their next stage or stop. And at this stop, as they're eating their donuts... They're eating their leftover quail. They stopped at a place called Rephidim. And there, something tragic happened. What was it? Well, you can read on for yourself in Exodus 15, 16, and 17. Or, come back here next week to listen to what happened and Rephidim. But for now, I'd really like you to stop and think, am I like the Israeli people? Do I forget the miraculous things God has done for me and only focus on things that aren't working out now? Do I have such a short memory and do I have a heart built for grumbling? If you're going through tough times, I encourage you to lament, to tell God how you feel. But make sure it doesn't fall into faithless complaining. Instead, let's remember the goodness of God and to trust his sovereign will in our lives as we go through tough times. That's what the people of Israel should have done. Because that's not easy, right, to, to not drink or to go hungry. I can understand their fear, but they have God. They have Yahweh who provided for them in the past. He will provide for them in the future. Let's learn the way of faith not the way of the wine. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.